Welcome, Christian Israel, all over the world. Pastor Eli James, Michael Swede, and this is Eurofolk Radio. We're doing another episode of Bloodlines, and uh, we've got another TikTok. I think this is TikTok Part 4 by Danny of Southwest Missouri, a a voice crying in the wilderness of Southwest Missouri. But, uh, uh, Michael, I believe you – do you have his uh, email address handy? Because he asked us to uh, share that with people. Yeah, good good morning, good day, everybody. Sussex man, Bavaria man, etc. Glad to, we can be together today. All right. Uh, do you have that handy or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Hello, everybody. Yeah. So his email address is um, Danny uh, Linmo at uh, proton.me. So it is D A N E L E N M O at proton.me. Okay, that's, uh, I guess that's limo in the sense of a limousine, something like that. Is that 1M or 2? Uh, one, 1M one and 1M, yeah, okay. so limo. Okay, all right. And then uh, at protonmail.me? Uh, pro, just proton.me. Proton.me, okay, very good. All right, so uh, we're going to uh, discuss again the... Uh, uh, workings out of the book of Revelation, pro- prophecy in the modern world. Okay, as I like to say, the book of Revelation is more current than the nightly news, <laughs> right? Because the nightly news, and all, the, all day long, the news is nothing but lies. So uh, we, the book of Revelation has way more to offer to us than uh, any television, radio network, etc., especially the print publications, Okay. Yes, uh, emergencies all over uh, Bavaria, man. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, yesterday, uh, uh, well, actually, I, I went to the event in uh, southeast Indiana, which was very good. We had a bonfire, a bunch of patriots around the fire talking uh, talking patriotism and taking our country back from the Jews. And But one of the guys who was going to drive down there crashed his car into a ditch, and he had a horrible night. But it wound up that his father picked him up and drove him back to Chicago. I guess the, t- the car was a total wreck. <laughs> so, yeah, so he'll have to recover from all of that. But he wasn't hurt. He wasn't hurt at all. So praise Yahweh for that. All right. So, uh, Michael, why don't you go, get us into it right away here? Thank you very much. Okay. okay. So this is TikTok, uh, A Voice in the Wilderness, March 19, 2023. Part 4. The Two Witnesses. The visions of revelations are very um, repetitious. Each and every one of them show us the consequence of violating God's law. Today, our Christian uh, countries are languishing under the yoke of sin as witnessed by our collapse. We have seen how the sixth trump speaks of the Book of Law uh, covenant written by Moses. This is verified by the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. This was covered in part three, where we explored the little book and how it refers to this principle of law and consequence of this obedience. 
um, time period as applied to the witnesses. Within the war cycle of the sixth Trump, the subject of the two witnesses is introduced in Revelation 11. There are two references uh, to time uh, as it relates to the to these witnesses. One is the uh, macrocosm, and the other is the microcosmos. One hundred and um, one uh, one thousand two hundred sixty days and forty two months. So the one thousand two hundred sixty days. The 1,260 days is mentioned only these two times in scriptures. It, its uh, application uh, to the witness can be understood by looking at Revelation 12, passage referring uh, to the woman who fled into the wilderness. Okay, uh, Michael, I'm having trouble opening the document for some reason. Uh, I've been pressing on uh, the... Uh file on my computer several times but it won't open so uh, but I'm hearing what you're saying so what I'd like to uh, say at this point is the D- Danny's absolutely right this is about uh, the, um, the the Israelites the woman is Israel and because uh, I'd like to bring up the fact yeah thank you uh, I'll, I'll see if I can t- click on you you resending it here and um, the it refers to the Israelites in dispersion, okay? Starting with 745 B.C., when the half-tribe of Manasseh was taken captive by the Assyrians in that year, and seven, there's a seven-times prophecy in the book of, uh, oh, what is it? Um, the Genesis, uh, Levit- Levit- Leviticus chapter 26, where it talks about, I will punish you seven times. And uh, various uh, prognosticators of uh, even mainstream Christianity have uh, talked about that being a reference to the time being those seven times adding up to 2,520 years, okay? And so 2,520 years after that is the year 1776, when the uh, United States of America was founded. So that 2,520-year period is the time that we had to spend in the wilderness before we could have a country of our own, <laughs> okay? So that's what the uh, reference there is, okay? And then the 1,260 years, if you divide that in half, 1,260 years from 745 B.C., what you arrive at is the lull between the uh, old uh, Roman Empire under the Imperial Roman uh, Pagan Empire and the beginning of the so-called Holy Roman Empire under the popes. And there was like a lull uh, of power. There there was a vacuum in power in Rome at the time. And so I've actually pinpointed the date, but I, I can't access the document right now. So let me try this again. So I just want to uh, verify that this, what Danny's saying is definitely uh, the woman, uh, Israel, us, not the Jews, in the wilderness. Okay, back to you. Uh, and also, this is not spiritual. This is flesh and blood. No, no so exactly. Spiritualizing things out of uh, context. Yes, absolutely. 
because that seems also to be something uh, of this modern church. When um, when I have here in Sweden pointed out the difference between Jacob and Esau, then they are said that I ah, that is <laughs> that spiritual. So no, I oh, say this really? is really fun. You know, listen. Oh, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> That's supposedly spiritual, eh? Okay. All uh, right. No, back... it's not. But... <laughs> yeah, of course not. Yes. All right, back to you. Okay. Yeah. So, point one. Revelation 11 refers to the time the two witnesses testified in sackcloth. And point two. Revelation 12 refers to the woman who fled into the wilderness. Um the woman in the 12th chapter is a metaphor for Israel. Um, there can be no other logical explanation. The passage in Revelation 12 is talking about the period of the time the woman, Israel, spends in the wilderness. Uh, specifically, uh, the time from the Exodus until the end of the calendar. There, she is sustained for a period of 1,260 days. Right. Revelation 12.6 says... The woman fled into the wilderness where she would be fed for 1,260 days. Revelations 12 verse 14 says the woman is nourished for a time, times, and half a time. Okay, so let me just interject here because the uh, fed, because uh, we're talking about, first of all, the, the, the wandering in the wilderness is in two parts. That's why it's 1260 days. Okay. Time times and half a time is another period of 1260 days. So the first half was in the wilderness of Europe before the Holy Roman empire or before the pagan Roman empire collapsed. And then the second half is after that period resulting in the foundation of the United States of America, the new Jerusalem. So, yeah. And so, but nourish, I guess nourish is um, a time of growing up. And this is when Europe became, went, went out of its pagan, totally pagan era into the Christian era. Okay. And ultimately Europe became Christian. America was founded as a Christian nation, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the nourishment that the woman gets in, in the wilderness. Although the first half was primarily pagan, nourished by food, right? <laughs> Definitely had plenty of food. But the second time, the second half of this period is when we finally got the nourishment of the word. Okay, back to you. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's continue. Uh, one can really see both of these passage, passages are talking about the same woman. Amen. And both are talking about her time in the wilderness. Um, they are both talking about her being sustained in, in, that, in that time fed and nourished. We can then safely conclude that the 1,260 days and the time, times and the time a half are one in the same. Um, yeah, this with fed and nourished, when, when uh, Europe was created, we didn't have so much. Yeah, okay, we had brotherly war, that was in the Catholic Church up here, but uh, we, we at least could um, have our borders secure now they are open like a yeah like a floodgate like this flood that overcome that is flooding over our nations today right okay uh i have kind of an urgent message uh from sussex man in britain uh yeah I, i'm sorry to, i want to address uh but maybe before um let me get this message in real quick uh 
expected today from the UK government never happened before with everyone receiving simultaneous text message and special noise alarm with vibration on their private mobile phones without consent all at the same time nationwide or anything like it except when the now Richard Branson virgin privatized evil NHS was banging people with text messages to get their COVID death shots, okay? Definitely related to COVID, but I think this time it's CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. It can only be an MK Ultra mark of the beast mind control trigger system. It will only be happening on 4G and 5G technologies, which are mind control technologies, 3G and below are not mind control technologies and will not be part of the test, occult-wise. Sunday, April 23rd, 2023, at 3 p.m. and 10 seconds, okay, uh, which, uh, has it happened already or not, okay? Uh, three. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, I guess it ha- has yet to happen. And so he says, occult-wise, Sunday, April 23rd, 2023, at 3 p.m. and 10 seconds, uh, he, it adds up to 666, <laughs> okay? So uh, uh, I don't know. Well, it's shared in the Eurofolk radio chat room, so if you, want, if you want to look at it and you have access to the chat room, please look at that post. Thank you very much. Uh, so apparently it's getting ready to happen. Or maybe a version of it has happened already. Uh, sorry for the interruption. 3 p.m. today, he says. And we're at, uh, well, you're, what, what, what time is it now in uh, Sweden, Michael? Um, it is uh, quarter to three. Qu- quarter to three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 50 th- minutes then, I guess. Yeah. I don't, are you in the t- same time zone as Britain? No, I'm not. I, I'm a bit, now let's see, how is it? Uh, I think I'm one hour um, after before them before. Yeah, before them I think okay so it's getting ready to happen so in about an hour and a quarter Britain time yeah. uh, this will get so all people in Britain alert and of course all people in the world should be alerted too that uh, this is obviously mark of the beast and we know who the beast is <laughs> all right back to you Yes, we have also practiced art of war by knowing who our enemies is and who we ourselves are. Right, amen. The times, times, and the half a time is referring to one thousand years day. They are the great thousand year days of God's calendar. They can be understood as a day, two days, and half a day, or three and one and a half days. Um, converting that to a day for a year, we have 3,500 years. This begins when the women fled into the wilderness and ends with the return of Jesus the Christ. Yeah, amen. And that's amen. getting closer, I'll <laughs> say. Oh yeah, we're getting very close. So, uh, But we have some prophecies that is not fulfilled yet and and, and also all this, uh, I have having some discussions here in Sweden with some Swedish Christian trying to get them at least to understand that the law has not been done away with. You have to follow the law. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. it can't be stressed enough. Our people are so deluded by this false, uh, false preaching that the law has been done away with. Yeah, that's one of the worst uh, false teachings there is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and so, uh, 
And, and now, uh, and let me just uh, finish up my thought on the New Jerusalem, because it's obvious that none of the European nation states are going to survive the Judgment Day. It, it's over. And see, uh, no, none of the religions, uh, with the possible exception of Christian identity, are going to survive the Judgment Day. So there's going to be a new earth, uh, a new kingdom, you know, I'm sorry to say, bye-bye America, right? But what, what will succeed it will be far better than what we have today. Back to you. Yeah, I mean, the same also with all the European nation states here. It will be, as you say, they will be gone. But what will come after would be so much glorious and so much better. And yeah, we're looking forward for it. Yes, very good. Okay, let's continue. So now back to Revelation 11. The two witnesses prophecy uh, for 1,260 days. Now that we have an understanding of what time period that is talking about, we can better understand the testimony of the witnesses. It must also refer to 3,500 years in this passage. Sackcloth denotes a period of mourning and sadness. It is obscurity and vagueness muffled by despair. The period uh, of their mourning lasts for 3,500 years, while they sit uh, sobbing by the side of the road, with no passerby uh, caring to hear their uh, dirge. Very few have stopped and knelt down to hear the reasons for their uh, anguish. My friend, why are you mourning? Very few cares. Yeah, and so uh, I guess he doesn't address the thirty exactly the thirty five hundred years, but it may go um, five thousand two thousand five hundred twenty years uh, applies to Leviticus twenty six. So this would be uh, a, um, a from an earlier period, maybe from uh, well, no, that was the taking into the captivity. Um, of, an, of an earlier time, maybe even back to when the Israelites uh, were in uh, Judea at some point. So we'll have to research that. Uh, I'm sure there's somebody who has an insight on that, uh, where this 3,500 years started. Probably, I would say, maybe during the Maccabean period, because that's, that's when the uh, the Greeks sacrificed a swine on the altar, <laughs> right? It may refer back to that, but uh, I'm just speculating at this point. All right, back to you. Yeah, thank okay. you very much. Okay. okay. Uh, so, um, the 42 month. The other period of time relating to the two witnesses is 42 months. Most Bible scholars believe this period of time to be one and the same as the 1,260 days. It is not. The 1,260 days refer to the uh, macrocosm. It is the period of Israel's existence from Egypt until the end of days. The 42 months refer to the days of Jacob's trouble, alluded to in Jeremiah 30. Um, it is the actual 42 months at the end of the 1,260 days. It chewens at the end of days. How do we know this? Because the witnesses exist for the length of time prophesying in uh, obscurity, sackcloth, from Egypt until the end of time. 
During the last 42 months, their existence, they are silent, dead, and lying in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. The same city in spirit, but not the same physical. Remember, Revelation is written in symbols. If the witnesses are uh, allegorical, which they are, the city must also be allegorical. Okay, let me just interject here. So, uh, and Danny is absolutely right. The uh, the prophecies, in most cases, uh, just about all prophecy in the Bible is metaphorical uh, or symbolic, but it's always symbolic of Israel and our enemies. Okay, so uh, yeah, the 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 little book. Getting back to the little book, which uh, I interpret as being the Bible being printed in small print and being published by Gutenberg around just before the time of Martin Luther so that we Israelites could actually read our own Bible for the first time in our own history, right? And so there was a period during which the Roman Catholic Church was inviting the, you know, the... Well, Martin Luther, uh, various other prophets of the Reformation to Rome to testify, but what they were doing, they were killing those people instead of allowing them to testify. That caused a pale of darkness for literally three and a half years, okay? And this was one of the things that Martin Luther was uh, testifying against when he nailed the the 95 Theses on the door, door of Wittenberg in 1517. So that, uh, that, terror, that terror, that's what it was. It was a reign of terror by the papacy. Uh, and very, very few Christians would open their mouths against this Roman terror at that point in time. And, and it's kind of like today, where we, we're, very, very few people are willing to open their mouths against the international Jew. Right? Okay. Yeah. It's the same thing. But now, instead of the Roman Empire, Holy Roman Empire, we now have international Jewry. They have all politicians terrified and all Judeo-Christian ministers terrified of opening their mouths against the beast. Back to you. Yeah, and during the Roman time, I guess, also behind the internet, the Roman Empire was the Jewish power as well. That's right. That's right. So it's the same. Yeah. It's Jewish the same, it, Exactly. It's the same same operandus uh, again. They operate in the same way, just behind different clocks, uh, right. cloaks. So now it's um, this international globalism with all these corporations and all their money that are their, their vehicles for this. And um, to also say, I spoke with Fritjof, and he said, apparently, I, I missed that, they will probably also outlaw if you speak out against the official narrative of the Holocaust now, also in Sweden. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. they want to forbid any kind of discussions that are not in line with their, what do you say, official story. Right. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the official story is always lies. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing that people who don't believe in the Bible – can't understand that this world is utterly corrupt. It's just utterly corrupt. But of course, many of those people, if not most of those people, 
are on the clock of international Jewry getting their paychecks, you know, uh, signed by Rothschild, <laughs> sometimes in person, right? And uh, they don't think that, uh, that uh, this, this world is going to die, it's going to end. I mean, it's so obvious that it's falling apart, okay? All right, back to you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, okay, it is okay. falling apart. So that's uh, and that's um, I see that as a blessing that this Amen. evil, evil system is collapsing. Yeah, it's going to hurt. Like the patient uh, may may have a period of starvation for a while, not having trouble finding food when the economy collapses. By the way, uh, here in America, the CBD system is supposed to start sometime in July, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna work because it's too complicated. There are too many people who are not part of the system. I think there's, it's gonna trigger a lot of rioting, which it did. All I think it was one country in Africa. Half the people can't buy food because they switched over to CBDC. So it's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be a real problem. All right, let's continue. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, how do we know this? Because the witnesses exist for that length of time prophesying in obscurity, sackcloth from Egypt until the end of time. Ah, I read this one, sorry. Okay, yeah. Uh, the account of the two witnesses is introduced in the midst of the sixth trump, the war cycle, telling us it is they who will be trodden down, slain, spirit speaking, and lie dead in the street, silenced, still. Their very presence continues to testify to the fact there is but one God, and that God is the God of Israel. It also shows us when they are slain, silenced. It is in the midst of the final battle. We can all see this happening here in America under administration of Satanists, and not without the complicity of our preachers. To speak evil, even of evil, we don't even dare and that's now he came into what we spoke about earlier, Eli, that there are very few that speak out against the international Jewish bankers that's right. about their evil. It is so evil, but people don't speak out. Yeah. They, well, the vast, yeah, the vast majority of people don't even know that the bankers run the world. They don't even know that, right? Uh, and then the, those who do know are terrified of speaking out. Okay, well, for example, Rick Wiles and his shows, he he had a moment of clarity about a month ago where he talked about the Jews. And uh, I forget exactly what he said about the Jews, but then he said, there, I said it, it's the Jews, okay? But then he started blaming everything on China. You know, the uh, the world uh, is, is run by the Chinese, he was saying. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. Who created the Chinese Communist Party, if not the Rothschilds? Of course. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So I'm still having trouble with this document. Um, where are you exactly? I need to re uh, reset this document and find out where you're at. Uh, um, I am at page in the right corner, 29, it said. Okay. And in the Word document, I'm on page 3. Of seven. Oh, okay. So, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, the keys to understanding of God's word. What, yes, what, exactly. What, that's it? Okay, the key to understanding God's word. Okay, very good. All right. Back to you. Thank you. Let's continue. 
So, rightly dividing the word of truth. So far, there's been but a hint of who the two witnesses truly are. One more thing must be understood to fully understand their identity. This cannot possibly be understood unless one understands how to discern the difference between the physical and the spiritual. Titus refers to this as rightly divided the word of truth. We know this because that is exactly how the writers of the New Testament understand the old scriptures. They would read the scriptures and then discern what they meant in the spiritual realm. Unfortunately, too many of our people stubbornly refuse to learn um, division. Half of them see everything as spiritual and ignore the physical, and the other half do just the opposite. They see everything only um, in a, a purely physical or material way. And I agree with that. Uh, yeah. This those, that spiritualize everything. That's typical. I don't know my experience. Those Judeo-Christian well, churches. Right. The Judeos spiritualize everything, and the materialists materialize everything. Although, let me put it this way: it's probably more correct to say that whatever is spiritual, they don't believe. Right. They only believe in the material world. Put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. Okay. let's continue. Um, the keys to understanding God's word. This take us uh, on a side trip back to Genesis 1, verses 1 to 5. Take the time to contemplate the first five verses of Genesis in a way you have never understood. Give your full attention and consideration. The Christian Bible opens uh, with the key uh, to understanding exactly how God meant um, for man to understand scriptures. Every um, expositor this author has ever read believes the first five verses of Genesis give a physical description of the creation of heaven and earth. Uh, whether or not that um, is so, it is in no way diminishes or uh, negates other and even more important understanding. That is a spiritual understanding. Those five verses, Genesis 1 Verses 1 until 5 are God's key to understanding the scriptures. Oh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your, uh, about this with the, the first uh, five verses of Genesis? Are you on the same, yeah. uh, what do you say? The same? Yeah, well, uh, uh, as everybody uh, in uh, identity knows that follows my teachings, the book of Genesis, those are eras, those Seven days are eras, not literal days, okay? And then uh, then uh, in Genesis chapter 2, that's Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 2 is when he took uh, an example of uh, the grace, the Adamic grace created in Genesis chapter 1 and, uh, and breathed the breath of life into that one particular individual, namely Adam. And then Eve was created as his counterpart formed. Uh, uh, you have to understand that the, the language in Genesis 1 and 2 is different. In Genesis 1, the word bara is used, and that means to create. Okay, so all species were created in Genesis 1. But in Genesis chapter 2, one of the created members of the Adamic species, namely Adam, was put into the garden, Genesis 2, 3, and even uh, I think even 4 say that Adam was put into the garden. He wasn't created in the garden. He wasn't formed in the garden. And then he was placed into the garden to tend it and keep it. 
All right. So in Genesis 1, we have all kinds of Israelites, or I mean, sorry, Adamites, running around the planet because he said male and female, he created them, right? Only two genders. And be fruitful and multiply. And he, they were being fruitful and multiplying in Genesis chapter 1. So there are all kinds of Adamites running around being fruitful and multiplying and taking dominion, right? But Adam, the man, was given special instructions plus Genesis 2-7, Yahweh breathed a special dispensation into his DNA, which would have made Adam and Eve immortal and their offspring immortal, but still subject to the condition that they have to obey Yahweh's laws. Okay? But immortality is not given to us without obeying Yahweh's laws. And so that's my take on Genesis on the first two days, you know. Uh, well, the, uh, sorry, the first two chapters of Genesis. Okay. So, uh, so, but he asks several questions here, and why, why don't you uh, start this section over again? And uh, you know, because uh, you know, that's that's the two seed line version of Genesis one and two. Non seed liners don't see it that way. Some of them believe it's literal twenty four hour days. Okay. All right. So back to you. Okay, so I will read the those different. Uh, you want me to read uh, this uh, part I read recently again? Yeah, yeah. Let's start on the, on the first day. God did three things. Yeah. Uh, let's okay. see. Uh, uh, the, the Christian Bible opens with the key of to understand actually how God meant for man to understand scriptures. Every exp, um, exposition. Uh, this author has ever read believes uh, the first five verses of Genesis give a physical de- um, description of the creation of heaven and earth. Whether or not that is so, it uh, in no way diminishes or neg- negates another and even more important understanding. That is the scriptural understanding. Those five okay. verses, Genesis 1 verses 1 to 5, are God's key to understanding scriptures. Okay. Yeah, hold on now. It's 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 becoming apparent to me that even among Judeo-Christians, the gap theory is becoming uh, more accepted, and the idea that uh, Genesis chapter one is actually referring to the recreation of our planet after a great catastrophe took place. Okay, there's a Judeo-Christian ministers putting uh, YouTube videos out saying that, that there was a great catastrophe and that Genesis chapter 1 is Yahweh's recreation of our planet after that catastrophe, which wiped out virtually all life on planet Earth. Okay, so here is Yahweh reseeding, S-E-E-D-I-N-G, reseeding the planet with the species that he wants to seed it with, after that great catastrophe, okay? And that's what the first six days of Genesis 1 are all about, okay? So, uh, and in fact, they even cite the verse we cite, replenish. If if this were the initial creation, he would not use the word replenish. He would use the word plenish, okay? But it was replenish. Why? Because it had to be reseeded, all right? So, so I'm not sure if he's referring to the first day as Genesis 1, but uh, in succession he created these things, which, uh, in fact, are the 
the succession that even the evolutionists accept that the succession of events is uh, of the natural world. Okay, so this is not opposed to the natural science. It it is not. So, uh, so please continue, and we'll see if we answer can answer his questions. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, he created the heaven and earth. Um, he created light and divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night. Now, ask yourself the following question. Why does the word tell us God created the heaven on day one and then again on day two? Why does the word tell us God created the earth on day one and then again on day three? Why does the word tell us God created light on day one and yet in the uh, physical world the bodies which give light were created on day four? Okay, so here, uh, let me elaborate on this because, again, I'm a proponent of the gap, the gap theory. And what's really going on is that Moses is describing how the earth came out of the, uh, the great... A catastrophe that happened, well, roughly 12,000 years ago, <laughs> because all of the ice cores, all of the natural history, very little of it goes beyond 12,000 years, okay? That's when this catastrophe happened. Uh, all of the, you know, there was, uh, Plato describes it, Phaeton. Phaeton is either an asteroid or a huge comet that struck the Earth and caused this darkness for what he's calling here three days, okay? So there was a, a cloud cover over the earth, except at the poles, and it was not so bad at the um, equator either, okay? The, the, uh, in fact, the term that the uh, pagan, the Nordic pagans use, oh, we talked about it yesterday at the campfire. Um, anyway, at the poles, the... Uh, the cloud cover was not so bad that actually the light could get through. But the sun, this cloud cover had to dissipate before the sun would appear. It was already there. It just couldn't be seen. Okay, and that's on day four, that, that finally the sun and the stars were visible again after this catastrophe. That's my take on it. You know, so uh, uh, so it, it says that the, those were, were made to reappear on day four, okay? And then you can pick it up where she says, God has a reason for that which he does, okay? Yes. Okay. Um, God has a reason for that which he does. A very good reason. He is giving us more than the physical. He is giving us a spiritual understanding. He is giving us a concept. He uh, wishes us to understand. He is giving us key to rightly dividing his word of truth. He established a principle and necessity for understanding his plan and his word. God spoke to his prophets. And it is true. He also instructed them to do certain things, such as build a, a tabernacle, establish a priesthood, build an ark, march around Jericho, etc. Listening to his voice, observing his handiwork in the, in the world about them, and contemplating what he meant uh, by the things he thought 
them um, uh, to make. All became the uh, inspiration, light, bringing understanding to mankind, earth. This light, inspiration, uh, came uh, from heaven, God. It turned night into day and allowed man to see his plan. Understanding God's written word um, in our day, at minimum, requires some understanding of figures of speech. God speaks to mankind in uh, allegory, parable, metaphors, um, uh, simile, and many other figures of speech. Numerous books have been written on the figures of speech used in scripture. Matthew 13, verses 34 to 35 reads, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable um, spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Amen. That, (laughs) yes. Um, Okay, just to quickly... uh... I, I put into the, both chat rooms on Telegram and Eurofolk Radio an article by a Hebrew scholar. It's called Yam with Number. Yam is the Hebrew word for day. And that in that article, he argues that the seven days of Genesis were not literal 24-hour days, but in fact eons, okay? And that is uh, that, uh, that understanding is now becoming uh, more and more accepted even among Judeo-Christian theologians, okay, that that's what really happened. It's not seven literal days. It's seven eons. Okay, back to you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that which he says was spoken by the prophet was a quote from Psalm 72, verses 2. Mark 4, verse 34, also says Jesus spoke, not except by parable. Okay, that was Psalm 78, verse 2. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. And in the first chapter of Genesis, the earth uh, spoken of was made to be inhabited by man. It was, in fact, created for man. God made mankind to be his friend and companion. He told them to build him a um, sanctuary, quote, that I may dwell among them, end of quote. That was the old covenant way of bringing heaven to earth. In the auspices of the new covenant, Jesus, the light of the world, came to earth to dwell, walk among us, and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. Yes. Um, quote, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. End of quote. And that is Psalms 115, verse 16. Okay, and I would specify the children of Adam kind. We two seed liners use the term Adam kind because it was only given to us, not to the two-legged beasts of the field. Okay, it was only given to us uh, as clearly as indicated by the, you know, well, by the scriptures. Adam, Seth, you know, Noah, uh, it was only, we were the ones who were supposed to take dominion, not the other races. Okay, it's only, it's given to us for dominion, not the other races. Uh, I just want to specify that. Okay, back to you. Yes, good. Mm -hmm. Quote, For thus said the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it 
um, to be inhabited. I'm the Lord, Yahweh, and there is none else. End of yeah. quote. Okay, so it was not created vain, in vain, right? Formless or in vain. It was not created that way. It became that way. Yeah. Okay, which proves that it wasn't created that way. And the gap theory is is verified by that. All right, back to you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So, Isaiah uh, 45, verse 18. What's that a quote from? Um, this concept is also the great clue to how we should view the scriptures. It helps us understand why Isaiah so often seems to go back and forth from talking about the laborious existence of mankind in the physical realm and by the glorious existence God um, emphasized for mankind. His writings alone should tell us exactly why Jesus taught us to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, light, and they all represent the realm of God Almighty. And it is the spiritual realm and exemplifies the attributes of God, love, joy, peace, holiness, perfection, um, goodness, purity, long-suffering, and mercy, etc. And this is also just my personal comment, this with joy, love, holiness, all those nice attributes and this and and this kindness that's been turned upside down in this world because uh, people believe that is a, like a weakness when yeah. you are like that but of course that's because it's something that comes from god and they think oh that's a weakness it's not a weakness come on yes well okay uh he used the word sanctuary which is a very important word uh, both in the old and the new testament and the Jews, again, speaking about the difference between materialism <laughs> and, and spirituality, which, which the Jews are not spiritual people whatsoever. They're only focused on this world, this life. And this is why the Jews are so desperately trying to regain power. They, they have totally gained power uh, intellectually, uh, economically, politically, but they have not gotten power spiritually because they can't defeat us spiritually. They're an unspiritual people. Most Jews are, in fact, atheists. And even the rabbis are only concerned about spirit, uh, physical ex existence, not spiritual existence, okay? So this word sanctuary, which in the uh, Hebrew is mikdash, and uh, it's a, it, it gives this definition, a consecrated thing or place, especially a palace, sanctuary, whether of Jehovah or of idols or asylum. Well, in, in Daniel and in Ezekiel, I'm pretty sure both books, it talks about a, a, a kingdom made without hands, okay, that uh, Yahshua will rule over. And Paul says that we are the temple made without hands. We Israelites are that temple, okay? So it's not necessarily talking about a physical building. It's talking about us. We are his sanctuary. We are his people. So that word sanctuary, and, and the Jews will deny that. The Jews will say, oh, it has to be a building. And this is their basis for their third temple. The Jews have to have that third temple 
in order for their version of reality to exist. So, folks, they're bound and determined to build that so-called third temple, which is not predicted in the Bible. We are that third temple. and But they're bound and determined to t- snatch that uh, building that the Muslims still own, you know, the Dome of the Rock, which in my opinion, Yahweh had the Muslims put the dome and the rock there so that the Jews can't get their filthy, grubby hands on it. Right? That, that's why he put it there. And so th- this is no end of frustration for the Jews. And they're, they're trying to figure out how do we get rid of the dome and the rock. Maybe they can build their third temple underneath it <laughs> in the catacombs. But th- that wouldn't be good enough for them. They need something that uh, the sun would shine on, right? But I don't think Yahweh is going to let it happen. And our people in the meantime need to be awakened to the fact that we, Christian Israel, house of Judah, house of Israel, are that temple. Where Paul says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Come on, Christians, wake up. Back to you, Michael. Yeah, thank you. It can't be emphasized enough. Um, this that you don't have to because I mean the churches today are basically for me many of them are yeah, yeah. I don't darken the foot the doorsteps to those churches no 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 uh, I might start doing what the Jews do when they pass by a, a Christian church they spit on the ground <laughs> right <laughs> I yeah, could do that in front of a synagogue too <laughs> oh then it will be hate speech yeah oh no <laughs> you know what that's interesting because. Is that a form of speech? Would that be hate speech if I spat <laughs> at, the, at the steps out of, of a synagogue? I see a demonstration coming, folks. Oh, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The Holocaust Museum in Skokie. We get a bunch of Christian Israelites there and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and all spit on the ground at the same time. I love it. Oh, I'd love to do that. All right. Sorry, folks. I'm just dreaming. Okay, back to you. Okay, so <laughs> now let's let's get going. Yes. Um, Earth, on the other hand, the abode of man represents the flesh with its carnal appetites. Um, it is there where the works of flesh, um, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, less um, seriousness, I- idolatry, witchcraft, and hatred, etc., abound. Amen. Amen. It exemplifies the nature of man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the, I believe that one of our tests here in this life is also to resist it and to not that that our hearts still are tender and loving, caring, and sharing, so we don't fall into okay. being bitter and to darken our and to harden our hearts and don't show be loving and caring and sharing to our brothers and sisters. Well, according to the Jews, Muslims, and most peoples on the earth, with the possible exception of the Japanese, what you just said means that you are a weak person. Right? Isn't that the okay. way the rest of the world looks at it? You know? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, they, they do. They I mean, come on. For me, when if I just take it personally about me, then people believe that I am very, I'm very weak. Yeah, yeah. Because, because I'm... I'm loving, caring, and sharing, and then they think I am. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. 
Well, the problem for most Christians is they are loving, caring, and sharing, but they don't obey Yahweh's laws. So they don't get his protection. We do, okay? And so as long as we obey his laws, uh, we can move heaven and earth if we have that type of faith. And the most important verse in Scripture concerning that is Revelation twelve seventeen, because the kingdom will come to those who obey Yahweh's laws and have faith in Yahshua Messiah. Right? We, we have that, once we have that ingrained in our consciousness spiritually and physically, by our actions, then Psalm 91 pertains to our being, okay? The the Twin Towers can fall, but they won't fall on us, okay? So we have that protection. Again, this is why Judea Christianity is so far wrong when they teach that the law has been done away with. And the, but the Catholic Church doesn't teach that the law has been done away with. They simply have their own version of the law, and none of the churches obey his laws. They, they just don't, okay? That's why it's so important for us to keep his laws in our heart. And then when we're kind and generous to others, because we're going to be challenged. Every one of us is going to be challenged. You know, oh, can, yeah. can you still be kind and generous when you get thrown in jail? Yeah, but that's the test. That's the test. I think all of us are going to be tested this way. Back to you. Okay. Yeah, so, a, oh no, what you said there is absolutely right. We have to maintain our generosity of spirit, our loving spirit at all times, through all tribulation. In fact, Jesus said, uh, blessed are they, or how to say, oh yeah, uh, be glad and rejoice, uh, those of you who are in tribulation, for that means your uh, your redemption is nigh. <laughs> okay? So we, when we can see that when all of us are being tested mightily in our walk of faith and uh, righteousness, uh, be glad and rejoice, because that means your, your redemption draweth nigh. All right? How many other cultures... Even the vast majority of Judeo-Christians can be rejoicing in the fact that we're are, we're, that we're being tested. Yeah, but that's um, that is also a mindset to yeah. know that okay. that even if stuff doesn't go your way, what you want all the time, but you should you should also then then consider what did I learn from this? What right. was my what did I learn from this? Yeah, he wanted to teach me something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but people yeah. believe on their, I don't know, more egoistic ways and believe that uh, to pray to him is like a genie in a bottle. He jumps up and do exactly what you think, but Yahweh's ways is not your ways or my ways. Right. He has his way to get us to the positions we need to be. Yeah. And he, he only cherishes, though, he cherishes his whole creation. But the day is coming when only those of us who obey his laws will be favored. Okay, it's it's uh, simple. Only those of his who obey his laws will be favored. Okay, back to you. And just another comment on that. Uh-huh. That is the way how to divide up the wheat and the and the wheat oh, yeah. and the tares. So that is maybe right. one of his mark how to divide us up. If you follow the law, how law abundant are you? Yes, yes, yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, and we have to. Well, like Paul said, he used the expression "I die daily," by which he meant he dies to his old self, his old sinful self, and he learns by you know. You, how do you learn what's sinful and what isn't? Well, you, you learn by what you do, <laughs> right? Oh, oh, that didn't work. Maybe I better try something else. Maybe, maybe I should try obeying Yahweh's laws. That, I, I'll bet that'll work. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Can I just read um, three verses or four from First Corinthians um, chapter thirteen, uh, verse one until oh, absolutely, um, four. absolutely. Um, uh, if I speak with the tongues of men and of messengers, but do not have love, I have become a sounding brass or a, a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophecy and know all secrets and all knowledge, and if I have all belief, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am none at all. And if I give out all my possessions to free the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, do not have, but do not have love. I am not profited at all. Love is patient, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast, is not puffed up, does not behave indecently, does not seek its own, is not a provoked, reckons not the evil, does not rejoice over the unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It covers all, believes all, expects all, endures all. Amen. Amen. And that is what we have to establish in ourselves because the rest of the world thinks what you just read, Michael, is weakness. Weakness. But uh, there was a great poem by uh, Rudyard Kipling uh, who echoed the, these verses? Said you should treat uh, rich richness and fame with the same contempt <laughs> that you that you uh, uh, that you regard poverty. Okay, it's all an earthly illusion. There's only there's only one goal that is to get into the kingdom, and to get into the kingdom, you have to practice what Revelation twelve seventeen teaches and what you just read. Okay. That's the essence of Christianity. Problem is today, most Judeo-Christians don't believe that. How many, how many of their pastors actually quote th- those kinds of passages anymore, right? No, they teach, oh, send your money to Israel and you will be blessed. And they believe in the doctrine of personal salvation. Joel Osteen says, if you don't donate money to him, then God will bless you. <laughs> right? Um, I don't think so. It's not working out that way. And America has been trying to bless the Israeli state for, what, now 70 years? Boy, are we, are we wallowing in the mire or what? All right. All right. Let's continue. Yeah, yes. Thank you. So, okay. Earth. On the other hand, the abode... No, I've read that, sorry. Man <laughs> seeks God's will, and his will is shown to us. Light comes from heaven, and night becomes day. 
Jean said, quote, God is light and in him is no darkness at all, end of quote. Jesus said, quote, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light, the light of life, end of quote. Jesus also said, if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. The New Testament has numerous passages showing us light is a spiritual concept. When men come to Jesus and he is in them, they become the shield of light. And that is Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 8. John said, quote, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. End of quote. God's intent was for us to seek his will, light. Amen. Walk in the light. Yes, amen. Walk in that light and become that light unto other in a world where it is too dark to see. The first five <laughs> verses in scriptures teach us to study the physical things of the old covenant and contemplate what they represent in the spiritual world. Rightly divided the two. The scriptures constantly teach us God uses a parable to teach mankind. It is his way of shedding light. It is how the earth was meant to be uh, as in heaven. It is then such a um, stretch or illogical to think God used the same method of teaching uh, within the opening verses of the Bible. Of course not. Yeah. That is exactly uh, what he was doing. Those five verses are the keys to understanding yeah. his word. Well, even the Hebrew word yom, which is, uh, has the same range of meanings as the English word day, right? Uh, is you, you can take it literally or figuratively in the opening verses, but uh, it has the same range of meaning, and uh, the word yom can mean an eon, <laughs> right? And it but not, you know, it can mean a literal day, but not in those verses. The, uh, that link that I posted in both chat rooms proves that uh, you can't assume it means a 24-hour day. Okay. So uh, uh, the, the Bible is full of allegorical meanings, and, but, but every meaning points to a literal reality, right? That if we have discernment, if we have understanding, then we understand what he's talking about. Right, so, but this book was not written for all all people everywhere. It was only written for Adam kind, for the people, the the generation of Adam, his people, etc. The covenant, the covenant people, and no other people. Whether or not they understand it is not important. The important thing is that we understand it. Okay, Michael, please continue. Yes, hmm. thank you. Hmm. Uh, examples of allegory in the scriptures. Paul refers to the two sons of Abraham, one uh, of a free woman and one of a bound woman. In Galatians 4, Paul tells us they represent the old covenant and the new covenant. He also says, quote, which things are allegory, end of quote. This is but one of many examples where Paul interprets um, scriptures from the viewpoint of allegory or parable. 
Okay, this is a perfect example of what uh, how allegory is used in Scripture. But there was a reality behind his terminology because... Uh, so let me ask you a question. Abraham had three wives. Sarah, Keturah, and Hagar. All right, of those three... Which do you think is the three, the free woman, <laughs> uh, Michael? Take one again. Wait, it was yeah, uh, almost uh, Sa- Abraham's three wives. Yeah, Sarah, Hagar, and Keturah. I think about uh, Sarah. Sarah, absolutely. Sarah was the free woman. She was his uh, literal wife. Hagar was a bondwoman. Okay. Yes. So he's comparing, we are the children of the free woman. Okay? But that's true both allegorically and literally. You have to be an Israelite to be a descendant of Sarah. Through Rebecca, etc. And uh, and Jacob's four wives. Okay? To whom was the covenant given? To us. To us, not to anybody else. Both covenants. Who was present at Mount Sinai when the covenant was made by Yahweh? It was us. Uh, Israel. No other people, Israel. but Israel. Although there were, yeah. there was a remnant of uh, what do you call them? The uh, the mixed multitude who always violated the law, <laughs> right, and and caused us to sin, right. So the fact that we allowed them there, but he didn't make the covenant with them. He made the covenant with us. This word covenant is so important that we have to understand it was made with us exclusively. The exclusivity of the covenants, both literally and however you want to take it, is made with Israel exclusively and no other people. I just wanted to make that point. All right, back to you. Yeah. And that is that is also something I try here in Sweden to, uh-huh. yeah, to get people to understand that uh, to understand this that is an exclusive message. Yeah, the the Judeo Christians falsely believe that the other races can accept Christianity in the same way that we can accept it. It wasn't intended for them. They don't have the DNA, Yahweh breathed that special DNA into Adam in Genesis 2-7. He did not breathe that, he did not upgrade, let's put it that way. He did not upgrade the DNA of the other races. He just upgraded it in our race. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Adam and Eve sinned, and so we had to be temporarily downgraded again, right? But still... Only we possess the DNA to accept that Holy Spirit. And they have their own DNA. They're supposed to reproduce kind after kind. But we have that, and we're supposed to take dominion. No other race is supposed to take dominion. And historically, only the white race has had dominion over this planet, with the possible exception of the Jews, because that was prophesied to Esau that one day, he would have dominion over Jacob. And, it, and our listeners know that occurred at the battle end of the Battle of Waterloo when the Rothschild banking fraternity took possession by, uh, by debt, by putting us all in debt to them, took possession of planet Earth. So we're in hock. And until the Rothschilds are eliminated, which they will be, 
at the judgment day, they will burn, parable of the wheat and the tares, they will burn, and once they're burned and out of the way, then finally we'll be, we will be free. We will be back to being the daughters, sons and daughters of the free woman. Very important uh, passage here. Thank you for bringing it up, uh, Danny. All right, back to you. The passing of our fathers with Moses through the sea is a type of allegory for baptism. In turn, baptism is allegorical for death of the old man who is resurrected in newness of life when he is regenerated. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 2. Adam is referred to as an allegory of Christ who is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians um, 15 verses 44 to 45. The temple, the sacrifices, the priest and the kings are all types of allegories. The real fulfillment of these symbols is Jesus Christ. Hebrew 10 verses 1 reads, quote, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continue to make the commerce thereon too. Perfect. End of quote. A shadow is an area where light is blocked. It is vague and obscure. Yet, if we study it, we can get a glimpse of what the reality looks like. Look at the pictures of the boy looking at his shadow. It resembles him and yet is not an exact representation. He cannot see his image as well as he could if the fence um, were a mirror. Yet his image is a general outline of his um, appearance. The principle given in God's word is simply this. The physical things are the shadow. Their substance is the spiritual counterparts. Examples of allegories, parables, and types in the scriptures. Um, so how I do this? I will first read the physical and then the spiritual. Okay. Well, here, let me just interject here because I made mention to it earlier. That passage is in Daniel 2.45. And I'm trying to find the King James Version. Here it is. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands... And it had break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king, and this is Daniel speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, what shall come to pass hereafter? And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. All right, this is a kingdom made without hands, a temple made without hands, okay? A sanctuary made without hands. That means it was it was made by Yahweh, <laughs> not by the Jews, okay? There's nothing on earth that can stand against Yahweh's prophecies, okay? So our, our interpretation is sure, and we have to keep the faith. So yet, even though the entire rest of the world stand against us, we have to keep the faith. Back to you, Michael. Yep, thank you. So, man, mankind in Genesis 1, verses 26-27, Adam in Genesis 2, um, Adam 2 of Genesis 2, Jesus, the second Adam, Abraham test of sacrificing Isaac, the sacrifice of Jesus 
God's only begotten son. Hagar and Sarah, the two covenants of law and grace. Israel's captivity in Egypt for their own protection until strong um, enough to go forth. Jesus' flight to Egypt to protect from Herod. The passing through the Red Sea. Baptism. The kingdom. Our destiny. Heaven on earth. Sheep. Jewels. Stars. Sand. Earth. Sprouts. Firstborn. Israel. There you go. Let me just back up to one. Our destiny. Heaven on earth. The vast majority of Judeo-Christians falsely believe that you know, what their concept of salvation is that you die and go to heaven. But the book of Revelation clearly says that the kingdom is coming down to this planet. And this planet Earth under our dominion, with Yahshua firmly placed as our king, this is the place from which the whole universe will be governed. Back to you. Sleep. Death, Mount uh, Calvary, Old Covenant, Mount of Olivers, New Covenant, Old Jerusalem, Old Covenant, New Jerusalem, New Covenant, The Whore, Works, The Clean, um, Chaste Virgin, Grace, The Bad Thief, Works, the good thief, salvation, grace. The fig tree, the law. The olive tree, Christ, the redeemed and God's witnesses. Egypt, old covenant. Leaven, sin. The holy of holies, access to God through Christ. The sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus. The Passover, Jesus, the high priest, Jesus, tabernacle, temple, Jesus, the shoe breed, Jesus, the bread of life, the olive tree, Jesus, the king, Jesus, the water, Jesus, the wine, Jesus. Uh, yeah, vine, not wine. <laughs> oh, okay. Vine, yeah, vine, not wine. Now, uh, do you think the Jews would accept any of this? No. No. No way in hell. That's why they're <laughs> no. going to hell. <laughs> All right. All right. Please continue. Um, even Israel is a type of Jesus. Amen. Um, yes, it is. Um, Joseph has, uh, has dreams which um, precipitated his going to Egypt. Joseph acknowledged this uh, to be for the uh, preservation of his family. Genesis 45, verse 5. Joseph is warned in a dream to flee to Egypt to preserve the family. Matthew 2, verse 13. God calls Israel, my son, when telling Pharaoh to let his people leave Egypt. Exodus 4, verses 22-23. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Speaking of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 2, verse 15, at his baptism, Jesus called, quote, My beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, end of quote. 
Israel passes through the Red Sea. Paul recognizes this as being a metaphor for baptism. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2. Jesus baptized was, quote, to fulfill all righteousness. The Israelites spend 40 years in the wilderness, a year for a day, for lack of faith. Um, Jesus is led into the wilderness after his baptism for 40 days. He succeeded uh, where Israel failed, much like he succeeded in the, in the office of Adam where the first one failed. Israel called a vine in Psalm 80 verse 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Yes, he is the vine, we are the branches. And that is John 15 verse 1. Very and good. it's interesting to see the stuff that I just realized, the stuff that this uh, this 40 years in the wilderness, that Jesus then come in and fulfilling those stuff that we failed. So he mm-hmm. like corrected our 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 forefathers' uh, mistake. Yes. I don't know if that's right, right we'd see it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be correct, right? Well, again, <clears throat> even the problem is that we Israelites, most of us Israelites, are unaware that we are Israelites, and that's the Judeo-Christians and, and many of those who lack faith entirely. But Jesus said, I would rather that you be cold or hot. If you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The, it's hardest to reach those who are lukewarm. Why? Because they falsely believe that they're saved and they have a false view of salvation. And once you are totally convinced that you're saved and don't have to do anything to guarantee your salvation, you're getting into the kingdom, then you're, your mind is shut. You know, you're smug. You're arrogant in your faith, right? And that's probably the worst position you could be in. All right, back to you. Yeah, thank you. So, many more examples exist within the scriptures, and one who watches for it will see it over and over, literally con- um, constantly. The physical things are backward shadow. The spiritual is the substance. And is it not logical to believe God used this same principle in the first five verses of, of scriptures? Yeah. And... Um, okay. Next, TikTok, TikTok part five, how Jacob okay. became Israel, but is not Israel. Uh, until then, may the Lord God of Israel make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May right. he lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Okay. Amen. Amen. All right. Would you give Danny's uh, email address out again? You know, so people can uh, ask him questions and make comments because you know, he's asking for that. Okay. Yeah. Questions yeah. and comments may be addressed to um, uh, Daniel um, Daniel uh, Linmo at proton.me. Uh, Daniel Linmo at proton.me. Okay. Would you spell that out again, please? Because uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, D A N E L I N M Oh, okay. At proton.me. Okay. All right. Very good. So we we'll have about nine minutes left. So at this point, I would like to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. 
and uh, which is one of the verses that the Jews teach that is about a third temple, specifically verse 26. So if you have a Bible open, Israel, please turn to Ezekiel 37, verse 26, which says, quote, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. So here is the sanctuary spoken of, and that's Mikdash, okay? And the definition is a consecrated thing or place, especially a palace, sanctuary, whether of Yahweh or of idols or an asylum, chapel, hallowed part, holy place, sanctuary, okay? This is now... The question is, is this a brick-and-mortar sanctuary that's being spoken of? Or is it a figurative sanctuary, namely us? Now let's back up to Ezekiel 37, 15, which says this. this that's the context for uh, th- that passage I just quoted, namely verse 26. Verse 15 says, The word of Yahweh came again unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Moreover, thou son of Adam, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Okay, well, let me read the next verse. And join them to one another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. Okay? So what's the context? The context is the turning of the two houses, Judah and Israel, and forming one stick out of them. The Jews teach that the house of Israel is lost and gone forever. And this can't happen because they, the Jews, claim they're the only people left of either either of these two houses. All right? Jeremiah 30, 37, or 39, I believe it is, says the same thing, that the two houses will be formed into one stick in his hand. Okay? And that the house of Jacob will live forever. <laughs> okay? So the idea that the Jews teach that they're the only representatives of either house left on the face of the earth is an absolute lie. They have multiple witnesses, uh, not just multiple, hundreds, if not thousands of witnesses in the Old Testament that all 12 tribes will survive forever. Okay? And here we are. We're still here. Caucasian Israel. So, so what's the sanctuary? Well, it doesn't need to be a brick-and-mortar sanctuary because that's not the context of this verse. This is the the sanctuary being spoken of is Daniel 2.45, the kingdom made without hands. We don't need no stinking brick-and-mortar church to, to be his. We are his sanctuary. 
We are the place where Yahweh wants to reside, in our hearts. So the Jews do not accept the idea of circumcision of the heart. There's another metaphor for you, (laughs) okay? They still practice circumcision of the foreskin, and unless you are circumcised in the foreskin, you cannot be considered a Jew. So, Michael, do you see the multiplicity of ways in which the Jews do not fulfill Scripture because they want the Scriptures to be a physical place in which they rule because the spiritual reality is not for them. Your comment, Michael. Yeah, but this is also just looking down at the people that are getting tricked by Jews and believe what they say. And yes. they or believe that they can be saved just because they claim they cling to Jesus but I or to Yeshua Messiah. But I, I, I don't think they do. Even if they, they try to say that they do, I think they're trying to lead people astray. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, here in America, the Jews are putting billboards up because I saw one in uh, in Missouri that has a, you know, a sign saying, the third temple will be built and the Messiah is coming. And they have a, a picture of a very Jewish-looking person that looks like Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, right, <laughs> which they claim is Yahshua, okay? And the billboards in New York City and New York State saying, our Messiah is coming, or the Messiah is coming. All right, well, let's just clear indication. They don't believe that Yahshua is the Messiah, they reject that notion totally. Judaism also totally rejects Yahshua Messiah. But the Judeo-Christians don't understand it. And so, yeah, they're, they're being led astray. They believe that what, what Christians believe will be the second coming is for Jews would be for them a first coming because they utterly reject Yahshua that any Christian does not understand this amazes me, right? That they simply do not accept Jesus Christ. They do not accept him. If there's any point that we can make today that the Jews do not accept Jesus Christ, let me say it again. The Jews do not accept Jesus Christ. All of their teaching is based on the rejection of him. Christians beware of this false teaching that the third temple needs to be built and that uh, their Messiah is coming. No, 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 no. They, they don't have a Messiah because they're not Israel. <laughs> Back to you, Michael. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I, I don't uh, what more to add to that. That is so so true. They don't have a Messiah. And maybe the whole, yeah. I think I've said that before, but maybe the whole people will be like a Messiah. They're, they're the Jewish people in itself. Yeah, oh, I think that's yeah. Different. I don't know. Yeah. But they yeah. argue within themselves all the time. Can you see six million Jews walking on water? <laughs> Right? (laughs) They sink to the bottom like a rock. Speaking of rocks, right? (laughs) That kingdom made without hands. Okay? That's what we are. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the living God, saith the Apostle Paul. Okay? So you have a choice to make. You either accept what the Jews teach or you accept what the Bible teaches because the Jews do not even believe in the Old Testament. They have a Talmud, which is a distortion of the Old Testament, 
The Jews never preserved the oracles of God. They have perverted the oracles of God, and that needs to be understood by all people around the world, okay, especially white Christians. They need to understand that Judaism is a perversion of Scripture, not the fulfillment of Scripture. Okay, Michael, thank you very much. Uh, I think a very good show today. And uh, uh, you know, looking forward to next week. And take care, everybody. Uh, we will do a Voice of Christian Israel show later on today. Ho- hope you can stick around for that. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Thank you very much, Michael. And, uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, folks. Here's, here's the jingle. <laughs>